How is everybody? Before we even get into it, how is everybody? How has your week been? How is your Wednesday morning? Are you drinking with me or not? Since Zara isn't here to drink with me. I'll explain where Zara is in just a moment. All right. So let's talk about business. Let's talk about websites. Let's talk about the pain in the butt stuff. Let me bring up my notes here. Zara gave me a ton of notes uh, to work with. And there's really, really, really a lot to go with. So let's start with like where you should be, right? Because we all basically know that we need a website, right? If you don't think that you need a website, I want to dispel that notion right away. You need to have your own website. And you might think, well, why do I need a website if I have Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and, you know, whatever other social media platform you might be using. But the thing is, uh, is that you have zero control over Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and YouTube and whatever else that you're on. Zero control over what those companies decide to do with those platforms. And literally in an instant, your business can get destroyed by a change in one of those platforms if you rely on those platforms solely for your business, traffic, revenue, leads, whatever it might be. Uh, just as a quick example, this is tangential, but it illustrates the point. Uh, Amazon used to have a bunch of people that resold refurbished and old MacBook computers, MacBook, Apple laptops, and other Apple products on Amazon. And these people weren't scammers. They were genuine people who were buying old Mac and Apple products and repairing them and then selling them on Amazon. Now, recently, Amazon made a deal with Apple for Apple to directly sell its products on Amazon. That had not been happening before. And part of that deal meant that Amazon delisted all of these refurbished and reseller people who were, who were repairing old Apple products and selling them on Amazon. And most of those people, their businesses were destroyed basically overnight because that was their number one revenue source, their traffic, their, that was their platform, a platform they had zero control over. So now I'm not saying that you shouldn't use these platforms. Obviously you should, we're on Facebook right here right now. But the, the real point here is that you need to have your own website and your own space that you control, that you own, because then you have a home on the internet that is yours. Okay, so I'm gonna try to take a quick look and see if you guys have any questions that you have uh, added. Uh, once again, I apologize that the question feed is not showing where it should be. So let me open a few tabs so that I can see um, all of the question places that I need to be monitoring. Technology is great when it works, not so much when it doesn't work. All right, give me just a moment here to bring up these pages. Here we go, there's the last one. Okay, so hello to David. Hooray for technology, right? Uh, Kim says, I'm only on your page, but I'll send you any questions. Uh, and Harry says, hello. And then I'm checking over on Zara's page. Uh, and Zara says, oh, no, that's just me. Okay, so no questions so far. All right, so uh, hopefully I've stressed the importance of a website for you. If you have questions about building your website, which we're going to talk about in a minute, um, go ahead and ask those. But 
the two key social media platforms, really, if you're looking to build a, a more traditional photography business that is uh, something like a studio business where you're taking family portraits and other things like that, then Facebook and Instagram are probably two, the two most important social media platforms to be using. Sure, you can use Snapchat or TikTok or whatever, but Facebook and Instagram are probably the two key ones. YouTube is one that I would suggest you consider, but, but carefully because I can tell you from experience that YouTube is a ton of work. And YouTube can absolutely be a good way to generate leads and interest in your business, but it's also, it's also a lot of work because what you have to think about is the fact that on these platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is, you have to be providing some kind of value, right? I mean, like you're here because I'm going to be providing you with some kind of value, hopefully. <laughs> That might be entertainment value, it might be uh, educational value, it might be something else, but there's value that you are looking for, and that's what you have to give to the people when you're sharing content on any one of these platforms, including your own website. So that's a thing that you have to think about, and you have to pick the platform that you can provide value on that you're comfortable with. <clears throat> So Zara suggests that you should pick any two platforms in addition to your website, and then you should be good to go. So your website should be one of your top priorities, and then pick two platforms. And the two that we recommend you pick are Facebook and Instagram. And Zara says, I go with the three rule purely because keeping up with more than three platforms is just too much uh, for her. And I would concur with that. I'm currently keeping up with four. I have my website, I have YouTube, I have Facebook, and I have Instagram. And I may be adding Pinterest in there, but I also have help in the form of my wife who's helping me manage my social media. When you're doing it yourself, I absolutely agree with Zara that three is probably the top. And depending upon the platforms, it could be even less. Again, as an example for me in my business, because YouTube is so intense, for a long, long time, I've been basically neglecting Facebook and Instagram until very recently with my wife's help. So uh, with that being said, pick your platforms and then work on those platforms. <clears throat> and we already talked about how websites and blogs are a must. Um, Zara added some notes here saying that no one will take you seriously without a website. Uh, and I don't know if that's entirely true. I think there's a lot of clients out there who, who won't necessarily blink if you don't have a website. But with that being said, I still think it's really important. In the professional sort of photography world that uh, Zara runs in more than I do, I can absolutely see where it would be more difficult to be taken seriously by the other people in the industry, so to speak, uh, if you don't have a website. But for me, the importance of the website, like I said earlier, is that you have your home on the internet that you control. And I would add something to the website, something that Zara didn't mention, but something that I think is even more important than the website, and that is a mailing list, an email list. Because an email list is a way that you can directly reach out to your people, your audience, your potential clients. And you usually you'll build a website uh, I'm sorry, you usually build a mailing list through your website. Uh, I cannot stress enough the importance of a mailing list. Um, it is 
one of the most tried and true ways of building a successful and profitable business of almost any kind in trying to connect with people and market to people. Because if you think about it, email is the inbox of every person's internet. Everybody has an email, right? Just like everybody, for the most part, has a physical address. And you noticed if you, ha if you get paper mail that the amount of advertising paper mail you have gotten has shrunk pretty dramatically. But the amount of advertising email you've gotten has increased in kind because that's the new way to reach people. So you absolutely should be also working on a mailing list. And if you have questions about building a mailing list, that is something that uh, we can definitely answer and talk about. So we have a couple of questions that popped up here. Let me answer these. David says, said, is there a newer platform that allows for social media updates to other applications all at once? I forgot what it was called in college that we used OwlSuite or something like that. Uh, that's the time struggle is having to update multiple platforms. That is a difficult struggle. Um, Zara uses, I believe, Buffer. Um, the one you're talking about, David, is called HootSuite. Um, and then the one that, that Kim and I, my wife and I, are currently using is called Later. And I would recommend taking a look at any of those three, but particularly Buffer and Later, because Buffer and Later can automatically post to Instagram for you. And I don't believe Hootsuite offers that. Right now, that is a, a, a feature that Instagram is trialing, I guess, or beta testing or whatever they want to call it. So it's only available to limited partners. And Later and Buffer are definitely partners that have that accessible. And I can tell you from my own very recent research that Later is a more affordable, can be, could, uh, depending upon the plan you choose, can be a little bit more affordable than Buffer. Uh, but both of those are options that I would recommend looking at uh, for managing your social media and scheduling things out and having things post automatically for you. Now, Shane says, how much time daily should you devote to social media marketing and does it tend to divert your attention from photography? <clears throat> it's a really good question. Let me get a drink here. Cheers, gang. <clears throat> um, that's kind of a hard question to answer. Um, I'll say this, Kim and I have started doing kind of a two-prong approach. So number one is on Sundays, we schedule all of our social media, our like core social media for the entire week using later. <clears throat> and as of right now, because this is a new thing that we're doing, it's taking us a long time on Sunday. Like, like hours to schedule everything for the next week or so. Um, we're going to get better and faster at it as we kind of work out the kinks in our own system. Uh, but what I would recommend for a strategy is that pick a day, pick your service like Buffer or Later, and then pick a day where you can set aside as much time as is possible, but as little time as you can manage to do your social media posting. And, and what I recommend is go for what, what is kind of referred to as the minimum viable product, right? So there is a lot out there about how you have to curate your things and make everything perfect for your social media posting. You gotta have the perfect image and the perfect caption and the perfect hashtags and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that stuff is not important, but when you're trying to ramp up to something, don't try to jump into the deep end immediately because if you do, you're going to get overwhelmed and then you're going to just get 
wrecked with all of the stress and pressure that you add to yourself. So what you should do instead is just start with the basic commitment, right? Like I'm going to schedule my posts for the week. You, you should have a plan for when you're going to schedule them, like one post a day, two posts a day, which platforms are going to go to, however that is. Literally sit down with a calendar and map that strategy out. And then minimum viable product. Just get posts up in there. Maybe it's a photo. Maybe it's a question. Maybe it's something promoting uh, you know, your services. Whatever it is, just get some posts in there as a starting point and get into that habit of using that scheduler and making those posts happen on a regular basis. And then as you kind of get used to that process, you can build up to doing things like spending time researching your hashtags on Instagram, thinking more about what your graphics look like if you're making graphics up um, and using tools. We can talk about tools for making graphics, by the way, um, and using different tools to make your graphics look better. Um, you know, doing extra things to make your social media stuff land a little bit stronger and have a bit more impact. And and as you add those little bits, they'll fit more, they'll fit easier into your workflow because you're not trying to do it all at once and being overwhelmed with the whole process. So that's something I really, really stress. Go with minimum viable product. Make a schedule, schedule your post to that, and just make posts happen. And, and if you start to get frustrated with something, just back off and say, you know what? I'm just going to make this as easy as possible, and this is the thing I'm going to post, and I'm just going to type something quick, and it's done. Okay. So with that, how much time should you spend per day then, right? I would say per day, try to give it 10 to 15 minutes of going into the different platforms, Facebook and or Instagram or whatever the two are that you choose, and engaging. Because the engagement is where things are really important. That is liking other people's posts or hearting it up on Instagram. That is leaving comments in other people's posts and things that you see and responding to comments and or messages that you may get on those platforms. 10 to 15 minutes per day if you can give it that. If you can't give it 10 to 15 minutes per day, give it 5 to 10 minutes per day. Um, that I think is a good amount of time. And if you think about it, this is something you can do, you know, when you're taking that break, instead of just sitting there mindlessly scrolling through your feed, engage with that feed and think about it strategically. Because you know, if you think about it, you know you probably already waste. And I use waste, uh, waste is the wrong word. And you know you already spend a lot of time per day on those social media platforms just consuming right, just being a consumer of the content, which is fine. But if you take 10 to 15 minutes of that time that you're already spending, every time you, you habitually grab your phone and, and without even realizing, you know, you find yourself scrolling the feed, that's when you say, okay, wait, I should use this time more productively. For the next five minutes, I'm going to actively search for uh, other photographers that I like, as an example, and like their posts and leave comments. Or I'm going to actively respond to every comment that I can find that was left on anything of mine that I haven't already responded to. That's how I, I would approach that. Uh, and, and then tailor it to fit your life and your needs. Maybe you give it 20 to 30 minutes. Maybe, you know, maybe you can only give it five. But if you can at least give it that five minutes when you're on the toilet scrolling your phone, because we all do it, right? I mean, let's not pretend the phone doesn't come into the bathroom. <clears throat> That's time you can use to strategize and, and be productive, so to speak, with your social media. <clears throat> all right.
secondary to that question was, does it divert your attention from photography? And I want to touch on that real quick. I would say generally no, because like Zara mentioned last week when we were talking, 90% of your business is business stuff, including social media and whatnot. And 10% is your actual photography. So as an example, um, I just had a photo shoot this past weekend and I actively remembered I should po post behind the scenes stuff from this to my social media. And so it didn't detract from the photography. It added to it in a way because both of us were excited about sharing these behind the scenes ideas uh, and, and things that we were doing. It did make things go a little bit longer because of the whatever two hours that we were shooting, you know, maybe 10 minutes between the two of us, maybe 15, we both spent taking behind the scenes photos and posting things to respective social medias. But in the end, it enhanced it. And I was just looking at our stats uh, with my wife this morning on later for my Instagram posts and stories. And the Instagram stories from that photo shoot did really well. A lot of people watched those, saw those, and were interested in those. And that's good because that's people responding well to something that I do. So what that tells me is I need to do that more. And that's another thing that's worth doing in you know your 10 to 15 minutes during one of the days during the week is look at whatever social media analytics you can find in your Facebook page or in your Instagram business page or with Later or Buffer and see what's working and do more of what's working. Okay, we've got a question from Shane, but before we get to that question, I wanna tell you something else that's pretty exciting, which is that I actually, in fact, let me show you guys this. Um, I am going to be speaking at ClickCon. I've got four different classes that I'm going to be teaching. I think uh, a lot of you already know this. However, I now also have five passes that I can give away to ClickCon over the next several months. I'm not giving all five away right now, but I am going to give away one of those passes this Friday. So if you would like to win a pass, a free pass to ClickCon, what you need to do is go over to my website, not my website, I'm sorry, my Facebook page, my Spiros Heniatis Photographer and Educator Facebook page. And at the top of the page is a post that is pinned with this image right here. And it says, for a chance to win a pass to ClickCon in Chicago, comment on this post and let me know why you want to go to ClickCon. And once you do that on Friday, I'll go through those comments and I'm going to pick the best comments or maybe I'll randomly select. I haven't decided how I'm gonna choose, but if you've been wanting to go to ClickCon, but you couldn't afford the $169 pass along with all of the travel and everything else you might need, this is your chance to win a free pass to go to ClickCon. So make sure you head over to my Facebook page, find that pin post and leave a pin, a comment on that post. And it has to be that post. If it's not commented on that post, it won't be considered an entry for this drawing. So don't forget to do that. And now, back to your question. Steve says, I do have a blog on my website that I keep up to date and use location names where shoots were and keywords as much as possible. How to really drive that for a search? I've been linking it on Facebook to drive the traffic there. Okay, so that's a that's a tough, that's a tougher thing. And and here's Here's how you need to think about your blog. 
um, there's two things you want to be doing on your blog. Number one, obviously you want to be showing your work and, you know, showing like the wedding photo, the engagement photos you took at such and such a place uh, and tagging that and using those keywords is a good way to get people to you because if they're if they are potential clients in your area and they're searching for engagement photos at XYZ um, location and you took engagement photos at XYZ location and you have that like as the title and in your comments uh, or not in your comments but in your post and also in the tags then that is going to make it more likely that Google will index you and they'll find you but the other thing you want to do on your blog is create content that your potential clients are going to be looking for. So if I recall correctly, Steve, you are focusing principally on engagements and weddings. And if that's the case, then you should be thinking about what kind of content you can produce on your blog that will help your clients in preparing for their engagements photos and or their weddings and or their wedding photos. So as an example, write 10 tips for preparing for your engagement photos. Uh, you know, plan your wardrobe, have your hair and makeup done ahead of time, whatever it is. People who want to get engagement photos go, oh my God, I don't know what to do to get ready for this. And then they go to Google and they go, how do I get ready for my engagement photos? And if you have created a, an article for that or a blog post for that, you could pop up for that. Now a potential client is on your website and they learn from you and then they realize, oh, this is a guy in my area who takes engagement photos. I need engagement photos. Holy shit, maybe I should hire this guy, right? So you want to be producing that kind of content as well. And it doesn't just have to be about the engagement photos or about the wedding photos. It can be, you know, preparing for your wedding. It can be, you know, um, anything that is even remotely related to the thing that the person is involved in that you provide the service for. So you, if you provide wedding photography, anything on the, um, under the umbrella of wedding is a topic that you can cover on your blog to help your clients with their wedding. And then they're there and they see you're a photographer and that you do weddings and that you have helped them with this content. And now maybe they decide they want to hire you because you've already helped them, given them value, and they want that. So uh, that's what I would that's what I would do in addition to also posting your work as blog posts and tagging your locations and things like that. And then take those content pieces that you created for your website and repurpose them for your social media. Use your social media to push traffic back to the blog, but also just share some of it. Like as an example, if you do the five, 10 tips for preparing for engagement photos, share one or two of those tips in an Instagram story. And then say, you can get all 10 tips on my blog, go to this link right here. Uh, and that will be a way that you can push traffic from your social media over there as well. Uh, so those are those are the strategies that approach there. I gotta take a drink here. Ah, okay. Kristen says I have the struggle that I shoot such a wide variety of work, everything from boudoir to garage doors. So my concern is, won't it put clients off if they were looking for one or the other? Yes and no. We talked about this last week, uh, so I don't want to go like super deep into this, but I do want to say that um, what you need to do. Christian, is pick the one or two that are your principal 
genres or niches that you target, right? So let's say it's boudoir. Let's just say it's boudoir and garage doors, right? Like it probably wouldn't be boudoir and garage doors because those are rather different. But let's just say for the example, if they go to your website and they like your work and you're providing the kind of value that they need for that, right? Preparing for your boudoir session, you know, how to, uh, how to you know, um, pose sexily for your, your significant other, um, whatever it is, right? And then they come and they find you and they hire you for boudoir photos, right? And that's perfect because now you've got a client, now you've made some money. People who will find you for your niche that you choose will also need other kind of work in the future. And they'll ask you about it. And then you can say, well, yeah, I do do that too. I can shoot that for you as well. It will look better if you focus on your niches and just let the work come to you for the other types of work that you might do. Because if you have the whole list of the 15 things you might shoot or whatever it is, then it looks to the person coming to your website that you are a master, uh, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And you don't want that perception. You want to be a master, a professional, an expert at your type of photography. Doesn't mean you can't shoot the other stuff, but put your best foot forward. Pick the one that's your principal niche and make that the one that everybody sees on your website. Make that the one that you make your content around and make that the one that is the thing that you do. They'll find you for the other stuff. Don't worry about that. And if they don't, but you still build a successful boudoir and garage door business, then it doesn't matter because you're still doing what you want to do. Um, Steve says, essentially more posts and not just a few pictures and a description of what went on, but say a tip post or a suggestion write-up. Exactly. That's exactly it. The pictures are great. Okay, don't get me wrong. The pictures are great. But what you have to realize is that other than you and the clients that you took the photos for, this sounds harsh, but nobody gives a shit about your photos, right? Like on Instagram, they'll see them because they show up in your feed and they'll heart them up because they show up in your feed. And that's great. But as far as like getting people to your website, just to look at your photos, that is a lot more difficult because they don't care about you and your photos. They care about them. So what about them will bring them to you? And that's providing them the value and the tips, the advice, the whatever else it is. And then when they're there, they see your photos and then so on and so on and so on. So that's, that's what you want to think about and that's what you want to really concentrate on is what value can you give them? What do they need that you can help them with that leads them to you so that they can book you for the job? Okay. I'm going to take another drink here and then move on to the next step. Oh, so let me see if there's any other comments that I might have missed. Some of the comments are actually starting to pull in, which is kind of exciting. Um, yeah, my wife just commented. She said that I, I, me, I have been asked many times to shoot seniors and families, even though I don't advertise that at all because I don't want to shoot it. Uh, and, and I politely turn people down and refer them to uh, local photographers that I know and trust that do shoot families and seniors because that's not the work that I want to shoot. Um, and that's a thing that you can do as well. And you might think, oh, well, I'm turning away business. But that's actually not a bad thing because if you are the connector, right, you do the boudoir and then somebody comes to you and they need wedding, but you don't do wedding. Is that lost business? Yes and no. 
if you don't, but if you don't do weddings and you don't want to do weddings, it's actually not lost business because then you hand them off to somebody that you know and trust. Number one, you build, um, you build gratitude with the person that you gave the business to. So they're going to be likely to refer people to you when they know that they have something, uh, someone looking for work that they can't do, but you can. And the client that came to you is going to remember that you pointed them in the right direction. And so the next time they need something, they'll come to you and they'll say, do you do this or do you know somebody who does? And now you've become an integral part of them looking for something. And you can, you can use that to grow your business. When you can provide the service, they'll come to you. When you can't, you'll send them to someone who does and you'll still engender positivity and, and a good relationship with that client, which will pay dividends in the future. Ah, so if seniors or families are what you shoot, you should move to Wisconsin Rapids and Spiros can refer you. That's what my wife just said. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. All right, uh, let me see if I'm missing any other comments here. I don't think so. Okay, this is good. Don't drink too much. Kim might take advantage of you after the show. Maybe that's the plan, Shane. <laughs> All right, let me get back to the notes because Zara gave me a ton of notes uh, to talk about. So let me find uh, where we were. All right. When thinking about your clients, uh, a couple of things to consider with your, your social media platforms. Facebook is where the, the older generation is. Uh, so if your target client skews in that direction, then Facebook is definitely one that you're going to want to focus on. Instagram is catching a younger audience. And if you want like the super young, then you want to be on like TikTok. Uh, actually, no, TikTok just went 18 over. But Snapchat is a good one for a younger audience. So don't just rando pick your social media network. You do want to think about who's using that network um, and, and think about who your clients are. But you probably already kind of know who your clients are based on your current social media use and who you see there and how you interact. So some of that will be intuitive, but do consider that as part of your, plat your, your strategy with social media. Um, let's see here. I'm just looking at the notes. We should talk about a little bit more in depth about websites in a minute and building your own website. And let me know in the chat, do you guys want me to talk about strategies for building your mailing list? Or is that not something that you guys are ready to take on yet? If not, I totally understand. But it's something that we should absolutely talk about on a show. And we could maybe even dedicate just a whole show to mailing lists because they are super duper important. So let me know in the chat. Uh, what you guys want as far as mailing lists today. Um, let me just refer to these notes real quick here. Let's see here. Um, okay, for Facebook, Zara says, it's a good place to maintain your social media presence with minimal effort because you can schedule posts on your page. Like you can schedule posts on your Facebook page in Facebook. You don't need a special thing like later or buffer to do that. But if you want to schedule posts to uh, Instagram or you want to do all of your scheduling in one interface, then you would want to use something like buffer or later. Um, and also another good thing about Facebook is that you can set up private groups for your past, present, and potentially future clients. And Facebook recently announced at their F8 conference that they're actually going to be putting a heavier emphasis on groups. So groups is a good place to focus your attention on Facebook if you want to try to use that as one of your platforms, both in creating your own group and then 
providing value in that group and getting people into that group, and also in engaging in other groups where you may find your clients. And when you do that, don't be spammy. Don't just drop into a group and be like, hey, I'm a wedding photographer, come check out my work at blah, 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 and then jet out. That's not what you wanna do. What you wanna do is get in there and provide value. Answer questions, engage on posts, you're not self-promoting, you're helping other people and they will remember that. And when it's relevant, you can share your content that you have made that answers a question or provides them value and that brings them to you again and the cycle perpetuates itself. All right. Um, and then as far as uh, Instagram goes, Zara says, it's great for actual social interaction, but that means it's also more time consuming. Uh, we talked about using Buffer or later to schedule your post to Instagram. Uh, and stories on Instagram are also a really great tool. And that's something that is really important. The stories on Instagram, um, that's where I was posting the behind the scenes stuff. And somebody was talking, Shane had a question about like, posting on my Instagram feed and, and not having enough focus and having it just kind of be like personal stuff and whatever else. Here's how I recommend you approach that. In my opinion, your Instagram feed should be like the work that you want to show, the work that you are proud of, the work that you're trying to get people to see, your best photography for lack of a better definition of it. And then your Instagram story is the place where you can post the goofy, the pictures of your cat, the, you know, the whatever it is. And that way you have like the quote unquote curated biz, you know, feed on your Instagram, the beautiful feed, but you still have a place to share all of the goofy, you know, whatever, the rants, the memes, the, the stuff that you, that doesn't, that you want to share, that you kind of feel bad about sharing in your feed, but you don't share it you, and you share it there because you don't know where else to share it. Share it in your story. Share it in your story on Instagram. Instagram stories are really powerful. Uh, they get a lot of eyeballs. People view them. Think about how much you might be using those stories. Think about when you saw my story about the behind the scenes, if you watched it, of the photo shoot and, and how you felt about that. Was it good? Was it bad? Did you want to see more? Were you waiting for me to post my story again? Think about that and then think about trying to give that same feeling to the people that you are trying to attract to your business. All right. Ah, one note here that Zara also added, and this goes back to everything that I've been talking about. Remember that people do business with who they like, with people that they like, right? You guys like me. I hope you like me. You're here. Uh, and a lot of you seem to enjoy connecting with me, and that's powerful. And and I don't say that in a conniving way. Like I'm not trying to manipulate or take advantage of you guys. I am humbled and and honored that you guys find me to be a person that you connect with and that you like. I you know, and I love you guys back for that. But that is important in developing your business. You want to work with people who love and like you. And so you want to put out value that engenders that. All right. So let me see here what we got as far as comments that goes. Instagram stories only stay for a bit, correct. Harry says mailing list would be useful. Okay. Instagram stories stay for 24 hours. Um, although I think there's a way to, to make pieces of a story 
become a featured piece of content on your Instagram profile and that stays for longer. But yeah, like just posting to your Instagram story, whatever you post stays for 24 hours and then it disappears from the story. So it's nice because it's ephemeral. You can post something, people can enjoy it in the moment and then after that it's gone and you just don't have to worry about it. It doesn't clutter things up, so to speak. Okay, so mailing list would be helpful. All right, let me see if there's anything else. Nope, that looks to be it. Okay, so I will talk about mailing lists for a minute here. Mailing lists are, are tricky because it's an extra step and you have to get people to take the extra step. Now, the classic thing to do is to offer something for free in exchange for having the people sign up to the mailing list. And that this is exactly what I do. In fact, some of you may have come to my mailing list through this exact process that I use, where I have a video on my YouTube, and, and, I'll and I'll tie this into you guys in a moment once I detail my process. I have a video on YouTube, and that video provides value, whatever it is I'm talking about, whatever the photography topic is, right? And then, in that video, I say, I've taken all of this information and put it together into a free guide, cheat sheet, whatever I call it, right? Now, the information is already there in the video. It's already there for free. But what I've done is put it together in a package that is easy to have, reference, and own yourself, right? Uh, especially with me in photography, right? Because if a person is out trying to take photos and they need to answer the question, well, how do I do this? Do they want to pull up a video and watch the video to get the answer? Or do they want to pull up the free guide and flip through it real quick to find the answer to the question that they need and then get on with taking the photos, right? So <clears throat> you take the photo or you, you, you have the free thing and you have them sign up to your mailing list and then they are part of your mailing list. Now, there are going to be people, yes, who will say, I want the free thing, I got the free thing, I immediately unsubscribe. That's fine, don't waste your time worrying about those people. It's gonna happen no matter what you do. You can do the same thing with your website, with your, um, you know, your business. Uh, you can think about this as, let's say, we'll go back to the wedding, uh, the boudoir or the engagement photos example, right? 10 tips for getting ready for your engagement photos. Uh, do this, do that, do this, you know, think about this, whatever, whatever. You have 10 different tips. And then you say, and I made a free checklist so you don't forget any of these things. And you can get this checklist right here by subscribing to my mailing list. And the people put their name in there because they want that checklist that they can print off and go, okay, item number one, I got it, check, done. They feel good about it, they know it's happened. They have a thing that they can hold in their hands and reference and use. Item two, check, done, yes. Makes them feel good, makes them remember you because they feel good about what they're doing and you help them do that, right? So that's an example of what you can do. Um, you could also have, you know, you could make like a, a big sort of reference thing, like, you know, the free wedding preparation guide and checklist. Like you could do a whole giant wedding um, checklist thing for your clients if you're a wedding photographer and you wanna help your clients and you wanna be like, you know what? Weddings are so stressful. There's about a million things that you have to deal with. I've seen so many brides and grooms 
who are just too stressed out on what should be the happiest and most wonderful day of their lives. In order to try to make that day easier for you, I've put together this massive checklist. I've broken down the different aspects of wedding planning and created checklists that you can use to plan each portion of your wedding to make sure you don't miss anything. So the day of, you can just enjoy your day and have a wonderful, beautiful ceremony and party, right? That's another example. Again, you know, it's checklist and checklist, but you get the idea. You could just have a reference guide for boudoir posing, right? Um, you know, or sexy poses to get your significant other, you know, uh, steamy for you, whatever it is. Again, think about what it is that your client wants or needs related in any way, shape, or form to the type of photography that you shoot. Provide them value on your website. And then take that value and put it into a package that they can take with them if they subscribe to your website. And then do that every time you create content. And if you do that, you will start to build your mailing list. And when you have that mailing list, every time you make new content, you can share that with them through your mailing list, which means they'll come back to your website, which means they get into the habit of coming to your website. And they'll tell other people about that content, which will bring more people to your website. And you can also, sell to the people on your mailing list. You can send them an offer that says, hey, this month I'm doing, you know, whatever, 10% off all engagement packages. Um, or, you know, you could say, hey, I'm thinking about trying some family portrait work. Uh, here's 50% off uh, a session while I test out if I want to shoot families or not. You know, something like that that mailing list is super, super important. So build it by providing value and then giving that value to them in a takeaway form. And you'll have to work to find kind of your way of doing that, but that's the basic method. It sounds simple and it is simple. The back end of it is complicated. It can get complicated. It doesn't have to be super complicated, but it's the internet and it's website stuff. So it kind of gets to be a pain in the ass. And like, if you guys want to see the actual um, regular, like the actual sort of back end kind of setup stuff that goes into doing a mailing list on an episode, um, let us know. And we could actually dedicate an episode to like the tech of, you know, a mailing list and, uh, and kind of show you some of what goes into that and how to set something like that up. So you can see a model piece by piece, right? Like I'm trying to give you a takeaway that you guys could use on how to put together your mailing list and set this structure up because it sounds easy, but the actual technicalities of doing it can be a giant um, headache if, you, if you've never done it before. So let me know in the comments if you guys wanna see that on a future episode of The Business Windup. We could do like a, a, tech, a tech windup and show you how to, uh, how, to, how to set up the structure for building your mailing list. Okay, so uh, my wife asks, does it make sense to post the same day every week on your website so people are like, it's Tuesday, time to see what Tim has going on? <sighs> my philosophy on that is yes and no. I think you should have like regular stuff. Again, for me, my website, or I'm sorry, my YouTube videos go out at the same time every week and half for years. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. I've just added twice a week, so now it's also Thursdays at 5 p.m. Right. And people, a lot of people know and expect that and come to my channel looking for those videos. So that's good because you build that habit. But what's also good is spontaneity in your posting. And those spontaneity posts will often do really, really well because it's unexpected. 
so I think it should be a combination of both. Some regular posts that go out at regular times, and then the things that you do spontaneously. And on Instagram, as an example, maybe the spontaneous stuff is, is principally on your um, stories, but an example might be, and uh, I thought about doing this, but I didn't, and I probably should have. Um, I don't normally post images to Instagram on Mondays, but Sunday I had that photo shoot, and I edited a photo right away, and I thought I should post this to Instagram on Monday, this image that I edited, and because I was really excited. I'm still really excited about it, um, but I didn't, and, and I missed an opportunity for spontaneity there. So that's something to think about and definitely something to incorporate into your posting process. If your life is such that you have a hard time with that spontaneity, then don't stress over it. But try to think about stuff that you are seeing or doing and think about this, right? Like if you are doing a thing, whatever it is, and it's making you chuckle or you decided, oh, I need to grab my phone and take a picture of this thing, that's a spontaneous opportunity to share. Because if you're excited about it, there's a chance that the people you're trying to connect with will also be excited about it. Might be how cute your cat or dog is. Might be the, the fact that we're watching the last episode of Game of Thrones ever, right? Might be something else. Um, you, it doesn't always have to be about your your business or something tangential to it because people connect on those other levels and those spontaneous things are opportunities to connect in that way. <clears throat> wow, it's 1049. I barely touched on a lot of this stuff. So I think I want to start getting into the actual questions that you guys were asking um, with the post that I put up last week to prepare for this. Uh, let me see if we have any other questions as well. Not there. Okay, nope. So we're doing all right on the questions. Again, if you have a question, let me know. Yeah, play to your strengths. If you're not spontaneous but more structured, then be more structured. Frank, that's absolutely right. Like, if it's something that you have a hard time with, then don't don't force it. Um, but if you can, try to incorporate it in. Um, if I saw a picture of your cat dressed up for Game of Thrones, I would connect with you, my wife says. See, exactly. That's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about. <clears throat> okay, so sh when we were, I, I asked you guys last week what your experience has been with building and creating a website and what your biggest struggles with social media are as it relates to your business. So I wanted to touch on those things. And I also wanted to share Zara's answers to those uh, questions for you. So... So you can see that we all experience these difficulties with building and managing our websites and social media. Um, Zara started out with her website on a, on a um, PhotoBiz site. PhotoBiz is, is a, a website building service. This was 10 plus years ago. And then she, she switched over to WordPress, which is a do-it-yourself website platform because the SEO, the search engine optimization on PhotoBiz sucked, she says. And then she said she realized, I don't know how to build a website because WordPress can be difficult and complicated. So she paid somebody to do it, but she never actually got a fully active website. So after, uh, after a period of time, she finally went to PhotoBiz and begged them to take her back. And what they did is they reset her account. So they grandfathered her into the price she was paying, which was lower than their new prices at that time, and reloaded and customized her website within two days. 
So PhotoBiz has template-based uh, options, but it also has full capability for customization, and they have really excellent customer service, Zara says. Uh, they will walk you through anything, and most of the time they do it for you. And she said they are hands down her favorite website people. So if you're looking for a website platform, Zara is recommending PhotoBiz. And she has three websites through them, uh, ZaraAshby.com, IntimatesByZara.com, and ZaraAshbyBusiness.com, which are, are her three different websites. And they were all put up for her in under a day. Uh, and she said, and this is right, the hardest part of building your website often is built, writing the copy, the words that you're putting onto the different pages, uh, your about page, your services page, your whatever page, you know, that you're putting up there. Copywriting is hard, but it's important. Um, Kim wants to know if the search feature has improved. I think it has, but Zara would have to answer that. So we'll have to check in with her when she gets back from Canada. Now, as far as social media, Zara says her biggest struggle is that it's incredibly hard to keep up with all of it in a manner that is truly that you are truly engaged in. And she says scheduling posts using Buffer or Later has helped her tremendously. But she says the other struggle, which is what Shane also alluded to, and we talked about already, is trying to keep personal and business separate. She said, well, some personal stuff is good so that your audience can connect with you, like we were just talking about. Uh, for her, she says she feels most of that should be kept private. That's a line that you have to decide for yourself, how much of your own life you're willing to share um, out there and how much of that you want to keep private. And there's no wrong answer to this. You can have a successful business without sharing much, if any, of your personal sort of life out there. Uh, that's perfectly fine because if you're still providing value and you do that in a genuine way and people connect with you, you're still going to be fine. So uh, to your questions uh, and the struggles that you guys have, we've got, okay, sorry, jumping up here. We've got, what do you mean by copywriting the words? So copywriting is just, uh, this is a question from Frank. Copywriting is this idea of basically composing the text in a way that is optimized to engage and trigger the response from the people who are reading the, the copy, the words. The copy are the words and writing the copy is, you know, is, is optimizing that. And if you, if you just do a quick Google search on copywriting, you will be overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that is out there. Copywriting is deeply psychological. You are writing words and trying to connect with a person. And think about, think about this for a moment. Think about things that you have read that have connected deeply with you, um, whether it's something that you connected with positively or negatively, something that made you super angry, uh, you know, a headline you saw that just made you start fuming, um, you know, a poem you read, whatever it is. Words have a deep power to connect. Um, human beings also have an innate and wonderful bullshit detector. So if you write something that is just slapdash and not very genuine, People are going to see right through that. So copywriting is important because your words have to connect. And, and when we're talking about this, we're not talking about um, being shady, manipulating people, uh, and, and trying to rip people off or anything like that. We're talking about writing words that connect with the people you're trying to connect with so that you can help them 
in the way you want to help them, whether it's through the content you're providing or through the services that you can provide if they decide to hire you for those services. So that is really important. And there are people, like my wife said, you can always hire a copy editor if that's something that you struggle with. You absolutely can. It, you know, it'll cost you to hire a copy editor, but if you have trouble writing the words, then having somebody write that copy for you can be a great solution. And, and it's definitely something that you should look into if you struggle with writing the copy. So Shane says, uh, as far as websites go, he used to code for other people, but he hates doing it for myself, for himself because he's too picky, so he uses Wix. Um, and then he says, Think of, thinking of trying Adobe Spark for the website. Um, so Wix is pretty good too. Wix is another website builder. There are a bunch of website builders now. Squarespace is kind of the granddaddy. Actually, GeoCities. Who remembers GeoCities? GeoCities is the great granddaddy of all the website builders on the internet. So I want to know who had an eye-bleeding, gaudy-ass GeoCities website. I am raising my hand because I did, and it was amazing, and I loved it, even though it was awful. <laughs> so GeoCities is the great-great-granddaddy or grandmama of all um, builder websites, which are websites that, A, provide you with templates, but also, B, let you fairly easily go in and customize your templates and websites uh, without having to code, without having to know how to make a website. Wix is another one of those. Um, there are a bunch of other ones that are out there, but I think Wix and Squarespace are kind of like the two most popular right now. Um, and those are good. Uh, I, I de definitely recommend using those if they work um, for you. I use a WordPress website. Um, and I was actually talking to my wife the other day and Zara also a different day about the possibility of leaving WordPress and going to something that, that is all in one to cover all of my needs. Because right now I use WordPress and a whole mess of other different services, all of which that I pay for to make everything run. I pay my web host, I pay my email service provider from my email list. I pay for the membership platform that I use to deliver my courses to my um, clients. I pay for other things that I have on my my business. You know, I don't even know what they all. I know what they all are, but I can't think of them all off the top of my head because there's a bunch of them that I'm paying for. And there are other services that allow you to put all of that under a single umbrella for one single cost. Uh, if you need that much infrastructure and you don't know how to build it, those are generally better options than trying to do it yourself. Do it yourself will be cheaper, but will also be monumentally harder because you literally are out in the weeds all on your own. Uh, and then <clears throat> I wouldn't recommend, and Zara agrees, uh, Adobe Spark is good for like building a page, but Adobe Spark doesn't like host a page for you. Um, it's, it's basically sort of like a single single page or multi-page site builder that Adobe provides that you can use, especially if you're part of the photography plan uh, that Adobe has. <clears throat> My wife says, um, I love when I come across a website nowadays that looks like a GeoCities site. They're so ugly, they are beautiful. But I do not recommend you making your site look like something from GeoCities. Yeah, I agree. Don't, don't make your website look like something from GeoCities. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good idea. <laughs> Unless that's the look you're going for. In that case, go for it. Um, uh, Shane also says, I struggle with social media as a tool for business because I'm a bit scatterbrained and usually end up filling my feed with personal stuff. 
So we already talked about kind of separating that and using things like Instagram stories uh, versus the Instagram feed. On Facebook, Facebook also has stories both for pages and your personal profile. So you can do the same kind of thing if you want to, like on your Facebook feed, have it be your more curated, more relevant business related stuff, but have your Facebook story, you know, be more personal, more spontaneous, more whatever it is. So that I think is an easy way to make that separation. And then we talked about this as well. Zara said, block off a day a week to plan your posts, which we talked about earlier, and then they'll post automatically. It's more time efficient that way, and you know you'll have your whole week covered. <clears throat> okay, so Kat said she struggles with creating, or he or she, I think she, struggles with creating a website that and Instagram that draws people into book and follow. Um, so we, talk, we also kind of talked about that. Um, Zara wanted Kat to elaborate, but what's what's really key here, again, is providing the value to the people. Provide value, provide value, provide value. I can't stress that enough. It can be beautiful images that provide value, but it's got to be other stuff, too, if you want to get people to your website and if you want people to follow you. So in your mind, always think about providing value. Uh, and, and that value can just be a beautiful image. It can be entertainment value. It can be connecting over a meme or something like that. But there's got to be value there. And that is going to help people connect with you on those platforms. And then with the other value you provide, you can connect them over to your website. And then eventually, hopefully, with the value you're providing the book. It's hard. It's hard to remember that. And it's hard because providing value is work. Like, it's difficult. It's hard to sit down and think, okay, I want to help the people out there that need help. What do they need help with? Well, shit, I don't know, right? Like, you got to try to put yourself in their shoes and try to think about the struggles that you would face and then answer the questions to those struggles. That's generally how I approach providing the value that I provide, especially on YouTube. I actually literally use, and you can do this with Google keywords and other... Um, keyword search tool, but the Google keyword um, research tool is really helpful for this. Um, what I do is I go to YouTube and I start typing things. In fact, let me show you this. Um, hopefully it'll work here. Let's go to YouTube. And on YouTube, they have their search bar, right? And if you start typing things in search bar, let's say how to, right? Look at all of these suggestions. Whoops, you guys can't see anything. I'm on YouTube here. Now look at all of these suggestions that come up just when I start to type how to, right? So how to prepare, how to prepare for a job interview, right? How to prepare for engagement ceremony, how to prepare for engagement party, how to prepare for engage, let's see if engagement photos comes up. Engagement, nope, photos doesn't come up. So that doesn't come up on YouTube, right? But let's say how to, here's one that will come up. This is relevant to me. How to take photos in low light. Look at that. Somebody, many people ask how to take photos in low light. So that's a thing that I can answer. If you do this same thing in Google, because if you go to Google, guess what happens when you start typing? How to prepare for engagement photos. Look at that right there. How to prepare for engagement photos. Boom, that's a question you can answer. Use these tools to find out what the people want and need that are your potential clients. And then you can answer those questions. That's, that's all you gotta do. 
if you don't know how to come up with the value that you need to provide. That's what you can do. Go to Google, start typing in questions you think people might ask, and then answer those questions based on these suggestions that Google gives you because these are things that people are searching for. They are absolutely searching for this stuff. All right. It is 11 o'clock. I want to go through uh, some more of these questions. I think I've covered a lot of this stuff, though, so I don't know that I'm going to have to spend a whole ton more time on this. <clears throat> what uh, Zara did say, is to, to further answer Kat's question, is on the website, it can be as something as a main page with a killer image, an about me section with your headshot and what you want people to know about you, and then a simple blog and a gallery tab with a sample of your work in there. And that's a good way to start on your website. But, but again, remember, you got to give the value. The value is what's going to bring people in. If you just hang a shingle out that says, hey, look at me here, nobody cares. But if you put stuff out there that people want and need, that's when they care. So remember that. Remember that. Um, for, for websites, Frank said, I'm using Adobe Portfolio, which took some time to get the hang of, but I'm catching on. I'm needing work on my Instagram page. Not sure if I should post my portfolio pictures or post those and include photos to take outside of the business. Um, and Zara says, Instagram needs to be both professional and personal, which is a hard balance. People are going to book you because of your photos, but more because of who you are. And she says, I highly suggest only posting work that you are really proud of and that you want to create like again. And, and I agree with that. I only like posting my best work to my Instagram feed. Um, and like trying to figure out Instagram and all of the algorithm and all the BS is something that very quickly can become overwhelming. But that's where something like later can help because later and just looking at Instagram and looking at the responses you get to the content you make will tell you what people are responding to. And the other thing is part of, part of getting action on Instagram, unfortunately, is those hashtags. So you do, as you ramp up to your Instagram, like I said earlier, you don't have to dive headfirst into this, but as you ramp up to your Instagram, start thinking about and trying to find the hashtags that will serve you. Now, as far as hashtags go, here's an important strategy to consider, right? Like if you go to Instagram, let's do this, in fact, um, Instagram and see, hopefully this should work. You've got the search up here, and I'm going to punch in a hashtag. Let's say I want to do a cosplay um, photo, right? Now, look at, look at what we see here. Cosplay as a hashtag has 34,641,892 posts. What's the likelihood that your image is going to get seen in that absolute tsunami of images? It's not. It's just not. It's not going to. It's going to get buried in like a half a second. But look at, this is not maybe the, the greatest example, but look at Cosplay Sexy. Cosplay Sexy has 181,590. That is true. That is so, that's a lot. But that is not, that's nowhere near cosplay. So when you're looking for your hashtags on Instagram, look for stuff that is in the like 75,000 to 200,000 posts range because these are hashtags that people are using but they're not so overwhelming like cosplay that your that your image is going to disappear in a heartbeat 
You want your image to be able to be discovered in those hashtags. And think about hashtags that your clients are going to be searching and that are relevant to your image. They have to be relevant to your image, but also make it something that you're, you think your clients would be searching for, right? Like cosplay fun, cosplay model. Cosplay model is a little high at 477, but that could go, you know. Um, and this is just for me and, and cosplay. Shane also adds, don't use the same hashtags on every post. If you do, Instagram will flag you for spam. Have several hashtags that you can cycle through. That's good advice. That's, that's the social media game. So you gotta be careful with that, but that is absolutely good advice. Thank you, Shane. Um, so think about that when you think about your hashtags strategy. And again, don't obsess, don't, over, don't get overwhelmed by your hashtag strategy. If it's too much, just back off and make your posts and, and take your time until you feel comfortable doing it. <clears throat> All right, every time I go back to this, my notes refresh and I have to refine my spot. So that kind of sucks. <clears throat> All right. So David said management of the website uh, used to manually update it via HTML and CSS. That was a struggle. And then um, through GoDaddy's editors, but that became cumbersome. So switched to a WordPress template, but that was slightly confusing since I'm new to that, which is what I was talking about earlier. WordPress is great, great except if you don't know what's going on there. Uh, and then I found less traffic over time with the use of Facebook and Instagram for my business and other vendor websites like WeddingWire. Uh, but the marketing contract feels com um, fees compared to the profit weren't matching up. So Zara again is suggesting go to PhotoBiz or find a similar builder if if that'll if WordPress or whatever isn't working for you. And she says Facebook is something that we should maintain, but I wouldn't be putting too much blood and sweat into it, and I wouldn't count on it for maintaining a business. I 100% agree with that. Now clearly Facebook is important. We are here on Facebook right now, uh, but. Um, of all the platforms, Facebook really, really messes with you because they are, you know, unscrupulous when it comes to changing things to make Facebook better for Facebook, regardless of what that's going to do to your business. And that's what I talked about earlier. When you depend upon a platform for your business, you shouldn't. You should have your website and you should have your mailing list. And then your Facebooks and your Instagrams are ancillary to that. Important, but they're not going to take your ship and your business down if something changes on them uh, and, and destroys your presence on that platform because they decided this is how things are going to work now. So um, think about that and, and, and really, really think about providing value through your website and then using your social media to let people know about that value and get them over there. <clears throat> Um, and then Zara also suggests, this is always good, the old school method of marketing, which is word of mouth, a relationship building and partnerships. <clears throat> and uh, then David also says, social media has been easier to manage now that Facebook spreads its advertising to Instagram. But the challenge is how to expose the business or catch someone's eye when they are scrolling through the newsfeed without being deceiving, uh, which is 90% of ads I see. And of course I click on them every time. Yeah, clickbait is a real problem. Uh, you don't want to fall into the clickbait trap because if if people are, you know, if people notice that you are doing clickbait, then they're going to deliberately avoid your stuff because they are going to recognize that you're just doing it for the clicks. You don't want to do it for the clicks. I've said it a hundred times and I'm going to say it again. This goes back to the value. You can use a clickbait title if you deliver on the clickbait. Right? Like clickbait's not clickbait if you deliver. 
but don't just do it for the click. Make sure you deliver the value. That's the key. That's the key. <clears throat> All right, my wife wanted to know about getting people to engage on my blog or perhaps getting them to the blog in the first place. So again, this is something that we talked about. I don't wanna rehash this stuff over and over again, um, but I'll add, um, Zara's notes in here. She said, creating traffic to your blog and website is one of the hardest things to do, but CEO, SEO does come into play here. And my wife doing book reviews has a particular advantage because author, author names and titles are good for SEO. Uh, and <clears throat> that relevance, uh, that, that SEO is going to help in the long run. So it's quite possible that the book reviews that my wife are, is doing on a regular basis are going to build into an SEO rich website, which will start floating her website to the top of Google when people start searching for, you know, XYZ book. Um, and, and that's good. But then again, we go back to providing value. So one of the things that um, you want to do is look at what you have going on in your book reviews and then how you can take pieces of your book review content and use them on social media to get people to want to read the entire review. And that could be a little clickbaity, but again, if you deliver on the clickbait and provide the value that you promise in that, then that will get people over to the blog because they're gonna see this thing, this snippet that you, you pulled out of your review, and they're gonna go, oh my God, you know, I need, to, I need to know what the heck is going on with this book. And hopefully they'll get over there and they'll read about it. And then if they like it, they'll subscribe to your mailing list. Uh, all right, so uh, additional notes here from Zara. For example, let's say you are blogging about your latest wedding. If you link back to the venue, to the florist, to the caterer, to the dress shop, to the makeup artist, and so on, Google finds that you are more valid. So I know my wife is already linking back to the authors and to the books, uh, and, and that's a really good way to build up that SEO as well, especially if you're reviewing multiple, the same, multiple books from the same author because you're building up a bank of genuine links not just spammy, crummy links uh, that makes your website even more relevant. <clears throat> and we talked about handling and scheduling social media. Zara uses Buffer, and she says it allows me to schedule on Facebook pages and groups, Instagram as well as Pinterest. I can all, it can also connect to blogging sites, but I manually place those uh, in the schedule tool of the website. <clears throat> Okay, so I think that's all the questions uh, that we had. Let me just check and see if there are any comments and anything else that you guys want me to handle. Also, while we're here, do you guys have a particular topic that you'd like us to cover for next week? If not, then we'll just open things up for questions over this next week, and based on those questions, we will answer those. Uh, but building off of this, like I said, we could do a tech show where we look at the back end of building a mailing list. Because again, building a mailing list is super, super critical. So if you guys wanna see that, let me know in the comments or let me and or Zara know over the next week. Do you wanna see a tech show on how to build your business back end for your mailing list? The different tools that you can use, how to put stuff like that together, including a literal look at how I put mine together. I'm willing to, to literally take you into the tools and show you how things are done, which is kind of hilarious because when I was showing my wife all of the things that I have to do to just publish a video, which includes, you know, getting all of that stuff ready for the mailing list and whatnot, she went, she said something like, are you fucking kidding me? 
I take back all of the all of the things I said about you before because it, it it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So uh, a couple of other things. Shane says I'm in. A couple of other things before we wrap up. Number one, don't forget that if you want to win a chance, uh, if you want to win, bleh, I cannot talk today. I'm all out of talking. If you would like a chance at winning a pass to ClickCon in Chicago, head over to my webs to my Facebook page and find the pinned post on my page right here and comment on that post and tell me why you want to go to ClickCon. And on Friday, I will announce the winner of that. Also, don't forget that you can go to shp.photo slash podcast to find the Business Windup podcast so that you don't miss any of our shows in the future. Whether you can make it live or not, you can always catch the podcast. And right now, the podcast is available on Anchor, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and on Pocket Casts. But we're getting it out to all of the other places where you get like Apple Podcasts and everything else. So it will be available wherever you can find podcasts before too long. But if all else fails, go to anchor.fm uh, slash business windup or shp.photo slash podcast and you'll find it there. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Joining me for this business windup. I drank my glass of wine. I'm feeling pretty good. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Zara will be back next week, so you'll see both of us here. And uh, I look forward to seeing you then. Everybody, please have a wonderful week. And if you have any business-related questions, send them to me and or Zara, and we will make sure to talk about them on the business windup. Have a great week. Good night. Good day. Whatever it happens to be for y'all. Goodbye.